The following is a presentation of Remnant. Hey, this is Jeremiah from Remnant Church. We want you to be encouraged and filled with hope for your experience as you listen in. This life can be complicated, even confusing, but it's our hope that you catch a glimpse of God's unconditional love for you and His purpose for your life. Thanks for listening. You're listening to a message from Pastor Jeremiah Vick. Good morning. Good to see you guys. And we uh, are in this series, and I think that this is, uh, we're starting to get to that point where I think God is starting to scrape away at some of the stuff that is protecting, like our protective layer, and uh, getting down to some things that we really need to, to uh, talk about. So um, this morning, I'm going to be talking about worry, and um, In Good Hands is the title of my message. Uh, as Jerry said, it's not about insurance, but when you think about it, you, you get insurance and you feel a little more secure about certain things, right? You don't worry as much about your property or about your life or something like that. Right now, um, I'm in the middle of two insurance policies and my life insurance policy, so I'm worth about a million dollars. If I die alive, I'm not worth near that much. Uh, but so, um, so Debbie's been like, you know, making me go on trips and things and, you know, <laughs> drive close to the canal bank, things like that. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, you, you, feel, you feel a little more secure, I think, when you... Uh, when you have some sort of insurance. And so we're not going to be talking about in that kind of insurance, but I think that God offers us something way better that does way more for um, the anxiety that we deal with on a regular basis. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And, and plus, when it comes to families, <clears throat> the truth is that, that stress and worry, um, that is the thing that breaks down the family dynamic. Um, it breaks down marriages It, uh, it breaks down relationships within families, and, and so uh, stress over, over finances, stress over um, kids, uh, there, there's, there's no end to the things that you can worry about and be anxious about, and so those things can really be toxic to the family, and so we need to know what God has to say about that and how we can deal with those, those issues, and so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So um, let's jump into this. We're going to be in... Matthew, I know where we're going to be because I wrote this out, uh, Matthew 6, yeah, we're going to be in Matthew 6, we'll be reading verses 25 through 34, and, uh, and then we'll be jumping in and seeing what God has for us and drawing out some, some truth from this passage today. So let's go ahead and, and start out with verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> By the way, this is uh, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, which is, as you know, Uh, a message that Jesus gave to his disciples. And there were other people around that heard it as well, but it was kind of like a message that he intended for those that he was closer to. And this is what he said, um, verse 25, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life or add inches to your height? And why worry about your clothing? 
Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we have to eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. But more than anything else, put God for God's work first and do what he wants. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So Father, as we dive into your word, God, I pray that you would speak to us as you always do. And Father, I pray that as we just reflect on these things that cause us to to worry and and how you want us to deal with those things, Father, I pray that um, you would speak to us, God, that you would um, touch our hearts, that our lives would be instructed, directed, God. There would even be some correction there, God. I know that this is an issue that we deal with on a regular basis. And so, Father, I would, I would ask that you would keep our hearts and minds open to what you want us to change. And God, I pray that um, this morning as I share that my words would be your words. And God, we thank you for all that you do for us. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So thinking about worry this week, I was, man, it's, it seems like whenever I have a particular topic that I want to share with you guys, that God kind of like sends these little things to like test me. It's almost like, oh, you're going to talk about that, huh, Jeremiah? Let's see, let's see how you apply these things, right? And so there was a couple of situations this week where I was, I was, uh, I wouldn't say I was losing sleep over these things, but I, I wasn't readily committing them to God because I think sometimes that instead of committing things to, to God, sometimes I feel like I'm a little better at handling it. Do you do that too? I mean, that sounds kind of uh, blasphemous to say that out loud, but, um, but do you ever like come to a situation, you're like, I got this God, you know, I can do this, and, and things get a little stressful, and so you're, you, know, you, you start coming up with these plans and ways to figure it out, and pretty soon when you get to that point where you're just ultimately stressed out, that's when you call out to God. It's kind of like a vicious cycle that we go through, right? Where we run into trouble and we wait and we wait and we wait and then finally we're like, God, can you help please? I really need help with this. And so um, I had those opportunities this week to kind of deal with some of those situations. But, but I began to think about the things that God wants us to, to do when those times of stress come on us and, and the way that he wants us to apply his word and to, to not be worried So the first thing that I see here is that God wants us to trust in his faithfulness. Trust in God's faithfulness. Look what it says in verse 25 and 27. It says, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life or add inches to your height? Now now you think about this verse and it's kind of a silly question, right? I mean, obviously it's rhetorical. No one's going to answer that question, but... um, no matter how much you worry, you're not going to be able to change what's going on. And that's why I say we have to trust in God's faithfulness. Because no amount of worry is going to change your circumstance for the better. But 
it can make it worse. Okay, so if you worry about the situation, it's not going to become a better situation. It's not going to change it and make the problem go away, but it can make it worse. And so let's talk about ways that it makes it worse. When I was growing up, uh, my mom used to use this expression. She would say, I'm worried sick. You ever heard that expression before? You know, you come home late, you know, after curfew. They're up waiting for you. Mom's like, why do you do that to us? We were worried sick. And you're like, oh, sorry, Mom. I, you know, sorry I was four minutes late, you know. But, but, but worried sick, where, do, where does that expression come from? I, I'm like thinking to myself, did someone get sick because they worried so much? So I thought, okay, well, maybe there's, maybe there's something to this. In fact, there is. Um, so a study out of Columbia University with 500 patients, they discovered that worry affects your eyesight. One-third, over 170 people had vision problems related to emotional stress in this particular study. So, so as I'm thinking about this idea of being worried sick, I thought to myself, okay, well, are there other medical issues or complications that come from being worried? Google, what do you have to say about that, right? So, so here's what I came up with. Medical issues due to anxiety. Weakening of the immune system. You get sick all the time, right? Just can't seem to, to fight it off. Okay, that's a symptom or an issue of, of anxiety. High blood pressure. That kind of goes without saying, right? It's like the standard. Upset stomach, ulcers, and acid reflux. That's kind of something you've heard about when you worry a lot. Increased rapid heartbeat and heart palpitations. Panic attacks. Cardiovascular problems. Increase in blood sugar levels, irritable bowel problems, people who worry spend a lot of time on the toilet, apparently, backaches, tension headaches or migraines, sleep problems, chronic fatigue syndrome, respiratory problems and heavy breathing, worsening of skin conditions such as eczema, tooth decay. I know, I was like, come on, <laughs> really, tooth decay? Because you worry, well, well, I don't know if you knew this, but, but anxiety actually restricts the flow of saliva. So you get a thing called dry mouth. And what happens is your saliva has these enzymes that, uh, that attack these, these acids produced by the bacteria in your mouth. And so if you don't have enough saliva in your mouth, you're more susceptible to tooth decay. So if your teeth start falling out, guys, you're doing way too much worrying well, okay, so here's the thing. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, if the world of science, okay, the world of medicine is telling you that worry is bad for you, anxiety is bad for you, because all this stuff can happen to you, then, then like, what's the solution? So, I mean, obviously there's a solution that the world is going to present to you, which is going to be what? Drugs, right? Medicine, right? Take this medicine and you'll feel better, right? And so this medicine is designed to attack these symptoms of worry, but really... Worry is much deeper rooted than that. And, and God has given us a way to attack the real problem. So, so think about the things that you worry about. I mean, some, some worries are pretty legit, right? I mean, so, there's some things that we worry about that are not that big of a deal. Um, like you worry about if your team's going to win. Okay, so you get all, kind of stressed out about that. It's like coming to the, 
the end of the last quarter, you're like, are they going to score, you know? The score is zero to zero. We're talking about soccer, right? Are they going to score, right? And, and so you get stressed out about your team, um, or, or maybe you get stressed out about, uh, you know, is this person going to like me, you know? So, so there are things that we, that we worry about that we don't really need to be worried about because they don't directly necessarily affect us. But, but there are some pretty legit worries, like, like how am I going to pay the electric bill or, or how am I going to put food on the table, right? There are some, some things that we worry about that are pretty legitimate. So we have to ask ourselves, is, that, is there like a reason or a cause for worry that's actually acceptable maybe? Um, let's talk about that for a moment. So um, I shared this verse with you guys that came up to the family retreat, Job 38, verse 41, where Job is going through the worst experience that anybody has ever gone through, right? And so Job is processing what he's gone through, the suffering, the loss, all of that. And he's asking questions like, who provides food for the ravens when they're young, cry out to God and wander about in hunger? And of course, the answer is God. God provides for those birds. Matter of fact, in the passage that we just read, it says that God provides for the birds of the air, right? Look, verse 26 says, and aren't you far more valuable than they are? In other words, aren't you worth more than the pigeons on the roof of this gym? I hope so. <laughs> so, so we have much, much greater value than the elements of God's creation that God so obviously provides for. And so the question we have in our hearts is, you know, why God? Why does it feel like I'm missing out somehow and that, that maybe you have neglected me in some way. But I think what we need to do, instead of worrying, we need to remind ourselves of God's track record of provision. Because guys, God is a God that provides. And there are moments in your life where God came through and God provided for you. And it is in places like this where we really have to rely on God's track record of faithfulness and realize that God never changes that God is always going to provide for his own. Psalms uh, 77, verse 11, psalmist reminds us, he says, I will remember your great deeds, Lord. I will recall the wonders you did in the past. This is his way of being able to get over his current circumstances that are giving stress or anxiety to remember what God has done. Remember the track record that God has. 1 Timothy 6, verse 8. Now, this, this might call into question what is provision and what's not, but 1 Timothy 6, 8 says, but if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. By the way, the book of 1 Timothy is really a good book. It's like instruction that, that Paul wrote for a young man who's like just kind of starting out in life and ministry, and so it has a really a lot of good advice in there. But, but he says, um, if we have food and clothing, we, we should be content with that. So, so I guess what, what we have to ask ourselves is, are we worried about something that is a need or are we worried about something that is an accessory? Because we spend a lot of time worrying about things that are not important and that are simply accessory to our lives when we have the things that we need. You know, um, when people close to me will be talking about some of the things that they're stressed out about that they're, they don't have and... And uh, I, I, the first thing I think of, and I don't say this out loud, but I, I often think, you know, 
there are people all over the world that don't have the same things that we have. Now, you don't want to tell that to somebody when they're worrying, right? You don't want to be like, well, you shouldn't be worried about that. People in the third world country aren't struggling with those things, and they're doing just fine, right? I mean, that's not one of those things that makes stress go away. That might actually increase stress. But the reality is that we worry so much about things that are accessory, things that are not necessarily needs, when we have our needs met. A lot of our worry comes from our wants, the things that we wish we had. Which brings us to this next idea of, so we talked about medical um, issues that have to do with anxiety. Let's talk about spiritual issues. Spiritual issues due to anxiety. And some of those are weakening of faith. This, this inability to trust God. That's what we just talked about, right? Questioning God's love. Does God really love me? I mean, God, you wouldn't put me in this situation if you, if you really cared about me, right? A loss of perspective. Can't see the big picture because you're so focused on the situation that's going on, right? Your, your focus is inward. You're not... You're not thinking about the big picture. Loss of enjoyment. Wow, that's a big one. How many of you have had one of those days where you just could not enjoy what was going on, even though what was happening might have been pleasurable, might have been fun, but you just couldn't enjoy it because your mind was thinking about this other worry. You had this other thing on your mind, and so you couldn't even, couldn't even enjoy what was happening. Man, I've done that before. I, I've actually worried about things that already happened. Have you done that before? That sounds kind of weird, but I've, I've like made mistakes and I've, I've done things that, you know, I wish I would have done it a little bit differently and then I'll end up thinking about it over and over, like as if I could somehow go back and fix it, right? And if someone came to me and was like, Jeremiah, I just discovered time travel, I'd be like, let me use it right now. I need to go back and fix what I just did, right? I mean, it's like I, I think about things that I have absolutely no control over. And it affects me spiritually. It affects us spiritually. We can't even enjoy the moment that we're in because we're so caught up in our own worries. Look at verse 30 of our passage. It says, If God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and then thrown into the fire tomorrow. What is he saying? He's saying God cares for even these things that are disposable, right? That are not going to last forever. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So the second thing that I see God wanting us to do here is is not to doubt his love. Don't doubt God's love. See, a lack of faith in God's ability to provide ultimately stems from an underestimation of his love for you. When you underestimate God's love for you, it leads you to this place of worry. You know, I think about the story of of Abraham when he sacrificed Isaac. And you know, um, Isaac was the fulfillment of a promise that Abraham had been waiting for God to come through on. And so, Isaac has this, or Abraham has this promised son, Isaac. And God gives him a, a very strange command. God tells him to go up on this mountain and to sacrifice his son. And you, you hear that and you're just like, what in the world? You know, what's going on? Why would God even do that? 
You know, it was pretty common for them to sacrifice living things as a sacrifice to God, but, but here God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac, the one he'd been waiting for. I mean, forget the fact that this is like fulfillment of a promise. I mean, it's his son, right? His own son. And so, so what made Abraham start the trek up the mountain to sacrifice Isaac? What is it that, I mean, let me just be honest with you. If God had told me, that I needed to sacrifice my son, I'd be like, I think I need to start looking for a different career, right? I don't think I'm doing the right thing with my life. I would be really, really confused if God asked me to do something that sounded way, way outside of the boundaries of who God is. But God asked Abraham to do this, and I wonder what it was that took Abraham up that mountain, even to the point where he put his son Isaac on the altar. I mean, you have to wonder, at any point, Abraham could have just been like, you know what, yeah, I'm done with this. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing from here on out, right? But, but Abraham knew that God loved him. And I believe that Abraham, the entire time in the back of his mind, knew that God had a solution, that God was going to do something, that God was going to intervene, that God was going to just say, you don't have to do this. I believe that God that Abraham trusted God so much, he, he had such a deep understanding of God's love for him that as he made his way up this mountain, he knew that God was going to present a solution. And that's exactly what, he, matter of fact, on the way up, Isaac asked Abraham, hey, uh, we're going to sacrifice something, but I don't see any, we don't have any animals with us. What's the deal, Dad, right? And, and Abraham said to, to Isaac, if you've read the story, he says, um, God's going to provide, Right? And I believe that that statement was exactly what Abraham was thinking. He wasn't just saying that to shut his son up, right? He was saying that because he really believed in the love that God had for him and his son. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Guys, do we really have an understanding of how much God loves us? I don't think we do. I think that, that we don't have a clear picture of what it means for God to love us because if we really knew God's love the way God wants us to know it, I don't think we would worry. I think we would eliminate worry from our lives if we were fully aware of how much God loves us. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Tell them to have faith in God who is rich and blesses us with everything we need to enjoy life. See, God has given us everything that we need to enjoy the life that he's given us to live. And this is where faith comes in. See, faith is living under the assurance that because of his love for us, God will ultimately fulfill what's in our best interest. That we can trust God that he's going to give us what we need and that he is going to give us the thing that is going to be the most beneficial for us. Now, I know sometimes that's difficult for us to, to understand, but that's because we allow our worry to, to narrow our view. And, and suddenly we really can't see the big picture of God's love. We're only focused on our problem, and it's like that's all we can think about. That's all we can concentrate on. Let's look back at our passage, verse 31 and 32. 
Jesus said, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. What's he saying here? He's saying, don't obsess over your need. Don't obsess over your need. See, when we allow our needs to be our consuming thought, we are forming a habit that imitates the world. What does he say? He says that these things, this way of thinking dominates unbelievers. Their their thoughts are filled with these kinds of things. But that's because they don't know God. They haven't experienced God's love. They haven't experienced God's faithfulness. And so when we start to adopt the the philosophy of the world and we start to accept this anxiety and stress upon ourselves and we allow it to take us over, we're, we're just doing what those that don't believe in God do. I mean, they don't really have a choice, right? It's like they don't have anybody to run to, but we do. And God says, don't, don't obsess over your need. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Here's, here's Timothy, a young guy starting out with a, a young family, starting into ministry. And he's given this, this instruction. Godliness with contentment is in itself great wealth. In other words, if you're pursuing the things of God and you find contentment with what you have, you're rich. How many of us would rather pursue worldly wealth than the kind of wealth that God offers? Hebrews 11 verses 5 through 6 from the message says, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be content with what you have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down and never walk off and leave you, we can boldly say, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? See, guys, if we truly understand God's ability to provide for us, we're not going to obsess over our needs I love what it says in in Proverbs 15, verse 16. It says, It's better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. Great treasure and inner turmoil. That just is a bad combination, right? But you know it exists in people's lives. You know people that have more money than they know what to do with often are people that when the stock market crashes, they'll they'll consider suicide. I mean, they're, they're... so much is wrapped up in their wealth. And inside, they're, they're just in turmoil. Their identity is in their possessions. And God's saying, I want your identity to be in me. I love what Max Lucado says. He says, God loves us too much to indulge our every whim. God loves us way too much then to give us the, everything we ask for. See, when we are obsessed with what we lack, we have a tendency to worship the gift 
instead of the giver. When, when you're obsessed about what you don't have, when you finally obtain that thing, that is what you worship. You don't worship the hand that gave it to you because your obsession is over what you're missing in life. I remember as a kid, uh, when I would go feed the dog, I would, you know, put the dog food in the bowl and then set it down. The dog's like so happy, right? Kind of like jumping around and excited, you know, and you're pouring the food into the, maybe you guys have dogs have experienced this before. I mean, the dog is just like elated, right? It's like, it's like it's never been fed before, right? And, and so you're preparing the food. It's, the dog's just like jumping all over the place, so excited. And, and it's like, oh man, this dog loves me so much. And you set down that bowl of food and then the dog starts eating. Have you ever tried to take the bowl away when the dog's eating? That dog doesn't love you so much, does it? No. I've almost been bit before because I, I didn't, it wasn't that I even wanted to take the food. I was just like trying to help scoop some food back. The dog was so hungry. Hadn't been fed since the morning, I guess. Uh, and, and I was just wanted to scoop some food back in the bowl, and a dog almost bit me. It's like growling at me like it didn't know who I was. I'm like, I'm the guy that just fed you, right? Don't you remember me from 30 seconds ago? But that's how we are. We get so obsessed with what we don't have that that's when we get that thing, that that's it. We're all caught up in that. See, obsessiveness becomes possessiveness. And when it comes to the things that we have on loan from God, and I say that we have the things we have on loan from God because they're not ours. We didn't do anything to earn those things. Everything we have is by the grace of God. And if we become obsessive about those things, then we become possessive enough to even bite the hand that feeds us. Let's look back at our passage, verse 33 and 34. It says, But more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Some versions say, seek God's kingdom and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, don't put tomorrow in front of today. Don't put tomorrow in front of today. What do I mean by that? Don't let the the worry of tomorrow rob you of the joy of today. And we talked about that just a moment ago, not being able to enjoy the moment because we're so obsessed over what's going to happen down the road or even something we're worried about in the past. God doesn't want us to spend our lives missing out on the, the moment because we're so worried about the next one. Corey Tenboom says, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And it is so true. I mean, if you figured out a way to worry and fix your problem, let me know. I would love to know how you did that. But let's be honest. You have never worried about something and the problem got better because of your worry. Problem might have got better in spite of your worry, but it wasn't because you worried about it. Remember a few years back, there was a, a feature story on the news about um, a widow, um, a young widow who, who had six kids. And, uh, and the story was about how this, this 
this young gal, single mom, manages to provide for all her kids. She actually started a business and, and was able to work out of the home and, and it was successful and she was able to feed her kids and provide for them. And then in addition to raising those kids during the course of the years, she also um, raised some foster kids as well. I think there was like a dozen foster kids that she raised during that time period. And so the, the, the story was the feature on her and her life and how she did that. And, and I remember the guy that was interviewing asking her, what's your secret? Like, like how, do you, how, do you, how are you such a confident woman? How are you um, able to be successful? How are you able to do all these things? In, in some seemingly pretty catastrophic circumstances, you're able to, to rise out of that and be a strong woman. And I remember her answer. She said, it's because of my partnership. And, and you, could, you could tell that the, the interviewer was like, trying to think, you know, what, what is she talking about? She has like some secret connection or something. Someone's like investing in her, giving her money or something. No, what's going on, you know? He's like, what, what partnership? Ta- tell me about the partnership. And she's like, well, um, I'm in a partnership with God, see? She's like, we, we made an agreement that uh, I'm going to get up each day and do the best with what he's given me and try to honor him the best that I know how. And, and God, in turn, is going to do all the worrying for me. And I remember thinking, man, that is such an incredible attitude. Imagine if we all had that attitude, that we were just going to live for the moment that God has given us and do the very best that we could to honor him and let God worry about all the other stuff. Let me just clue you in on something. God is not worried. No, God's not worried at all. It's not a part of his nature, and God doesn't want it to be a part of our nature Verse 33 says, but more than anything else, put God's work first and he will give you everything you need. See, it is in the pursuit of a godly lifestyle that we find ourselves worrying less and less about our future and focus more on being present. Notice I didn't say we focus more on the present. I said we focus more on being present being present with others, being present with God. You realize the greatest gift that God has given us is the fact that God has allowed us to be in his presence. God with us. That's God's greatest gift to us. And we miss out on that gift when we worry. We miss out on the very presence of God when we worry. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. I love this dual nature to prayer, which is telling God about your needs, but then thanking him for what he's done. How often do we go to God to pray and all we're doing is asking, asking, and we're not thanking See, if you're worrying, I guarantee you are asking God more and thanking him less. That's a guarantee. The greatest antidote to worry is serving God by serving others. That's what this is all about. This idea of putting God first, putting the work of the Lord before everything else. 
Because the way that we can turn from worry, the way that we can fix this problem of anxiety and stress that we have is to serve God by serving others. You start serving somebody else, and let me just tell you, you are not thinking about your own problems. Doesn't mean your problems go away. But medically speaking, you're going to be a healthier person, right? And spiritually speaking, you're going to be a healthier person. There are so many good things about letting go of worry. And there are so many bad things about holding on to it tightly. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's really a no-brainer, right? But I think what we need to do is ask God for help with this. Because even though the answer is obvious, God doesn't want us to worry. God's given us alternatives to worry. God's given us a way to, to keep us from worrying. I mean, we, we know all these things, right? I mean, God's given all of that to us. But what is it that we're doing wrong? Why is it that we still run to worry when times get stressful? I think it's because we're doing it on our own. It, we, in fact, we are once again inviting loneliness into our lives. It, it's like loneliness has this open invitation. Whenever things start to get stressful, we're like, okay, I'm just going to take all this on myself and I'm going to handle this by myself because I don't want to bother somebody. I don't want to bother God. Why do, we, why do we think that way? I believe this is something that we need God's help with and I don't think there's any other way for us to break the cycle of worry in our lives. And, and you, may be, you may be thinking to yourself, well, I'm, I'm a pretty low-stress person, right? Well, maybe you are. Maybe your personality is that you're, you're low-stress, but there are still things that you obsess over that you should not. There are still things that you have not surrendered to God that you spend way too much time worrying about. It doesn't matter who you are, we all struggle with worry. And if we're going to break the cycle of worry, I think the answer is that we've got to spend time with God. We've got to bring these things to God, and once we do that, we've got to let go of them. We can't pick them up again. Each day, as we decide to do with what to do with our lives and resources, we have a fresh opportunity to prove to God our love for him and how much we trust him. Guys, if we're going to live a worry-free life, we have to take it one day at a time. Every day is a brand new opportunity for us to say to God, God, I love you and I trust you. So I believe that's what God's inviting us into. I believe God's inviting us into a, a worry-free life. And I think he's offering us that option. And I don't know about you guys, but that sounds pretty good to me. So let's ask him for help. No, knowing that, that worry and stress and anxiety are the things that tear families apart, don't you think our families, our own lives are worth it to trust God, to begin to develop healthy rhythms in our lives So, Father, I just want to lift up these people to you right now. 
God, I know that each and every one of us find ourselves challenged by stressful situations. We find ourselves in places where we have no option but to worry. God, help us not to believe that lie. Help us to know that you are there for us, that you haven't walked off and you're not too busy, you're not distracted. Father, help us to know that you love us. God, give us, give us eyes to see the way you're working so that we can see your track record of faithfulness in our lives. And God, when those moments of, of stress come upon us, I pray that our first response, our first response will be to bring it to you. Father, I know that we can save ourselves so much pain, discomfort, tooth decay even, whatever it is, God, that we're, we're up against. God, you have given us a way out. So, God, I just, I, I pray right now for those that are, even now, maybe even during this, this time we spend in your word today, God, is, even as I was talking, maybe their mind wandered into circumstances and places where they were worried. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else? You just feel like, man, I, I spend way too much time worrying and obsessing about my needs. Just lift up your hand. Lift it up. I'll pray for you. Thank you. Be honest. It's, it's okay. We all do it. Thank you. Anybody else? God, you see these hands and you know each situation. You know what's going on in their hearts, God. And right now, I, I lift up your children to you. Thank you, God, for first of all, that you love us so much, that you're so faithful, you're so good to us, and that you already have a solution for whatever it is we're worried about. So, God, give us the confidence to lay those things at your feet. Help us to look around us and see your miraculous provision and know, God, the difference between our needs and our wants. God, refocus our thoughts. Change our perspective, God. Help us to see this life through your eyes. And most of all, Father, I pray that we would seek your face. You would be the one we run to when we start to feel the stress of life closing in on us. Father, protect our families from the worry that would want to tear them apart. Thanks for loving us. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, it's, it's going to be tempting. Moments of worry, it's going to be tempting to face those circumstances by yourself. Take advantage of the fact that God has not only given us his presence, but he's given us the presence of others that we can invite into our lives. Don't be ashamed. Don't, don't, don't talk yourself out of getting help. God's there for us. God's people are there for us.
Let's take advantage of that. Does that sound good? Awesome. Let's all stand together. You've been listening to a presentation of Remnant. For more information, visit us at remnantchurchonline.com.